0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: How does a parasite actually bring about a, quote, demonic possession? Why were no photos taken by the investigators, including me, during the Bridgeport Poltergeist attacks of 1974? What are our real connections with those we consider dead?
2: Greetings and welcome to the 606th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we bring you an open-line show to deal with many questions from listeners on all areas of the paranormal. And we welcome your phone calls this evening. The numbers are 800-449-1240. That's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or 401-766-1240 locally. Also, we will monitor emails, paul at behindtheparanormal.com.
1: Okay, uh, let's start right in, and here's the first one. It's rather long, but it's all relevant, and it's from Lisa, and I, if she told me where she's from, I don't remember, so sorry about that. Lisa, Lisa from but
2: somewhere. Somewhere
1: in the United States, I'm sure.
2: Alrighty, so Lisa writes to us, Hi Paul, I recently stumbled onto you. I was watching a YouTube video and heard your experience and your explanations, and I was fascinated. Uh, I have started to listen to your podcasts and bought two of your books all in one week. Uh, I have always I believed in the power of the paranormal, uh, but I've never experienced anything myself until a month ago. Or a couple months ago, I should say. Sorry about that. Uh, the grandmother of a friend of mine passed away, and my friend was very upset because she was unable to attend the funeral. One night, in front of an open or an outdoor fire, uh, something happened to me that I couldn't explain. I started to get... Oh, we read this. I don't think we finished it, though. I remember this very vividly.
1: I, I only correspond with her this week.
2: Uh, maybe... Oh, nope, well, never mind. whatever, just... No, we didn't read some, no, something. No, something similar to this happened. Something similar to this. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, never mind. Behave so yourself. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I started getting mental images about my friend's past, specifically as though I were looking through her grandmother's eyes. Uh, I could describe a couch that her grandmother had and her grandmother's feelings and emotions about various parts of my friend's life. I felt anger, joy, laughter that was not my own. The ultimate question became, where is my grandmother? And I could instantly feel her all around us. Time passed. I don't know how much time. It felt like 15 minutes to me, but it ended up being more like uh, two hours. All I had to, uh, uh, all I wanted to do, was comfort my friend. Uh, but this was something else. I had no way of really n- explaining what had happened. I just knew that it wasn't normal. Thinking, uh, thinking back, I have always felt a connection with the dead. I remember being around five years old when it was Thanksgiving. I tugged at my father's sleeve and told him that Grandpa was dead. Uh, the phone rang at the exact time, and the news was, that was, uh, or the news was in fact, uh, that my grandfather had died. Uh, when my own grandfather died, uh, I could feel him all around me. I still do to this day. I want to know what, what this is. I want to know if this is uh, some trick that my mind is playing on me, uh, in my need to uh, find comfort, in death, or am I really experiencing something paranormal? I desperately want to believe I am, uh, but I do realize the desperation could also make my mind inflate uh, the, what I could experience and make something more of it. I'd like uh, both the paranormal and the multiverse explanation for this, or I I I like the both. Uh, I like the theories, I should say. And I know you you are the person to guide me through this. I also started a blog today to begin writing about this. Um, about these feelings and my journey to discover what faith really is. Uh, Paul, I admire your work, and I hope to hear from you soon, Lisa.
1: Okay, well, thank you, Lisa. Um, First of all, let me compliment you, and and Ben will add to this too, compliment you on the sensible way in which you seem to be approaching this and the um, uh, very articulate uh, way you have worded your your note and your questions. All right, I think that um, you are... Experiencing something that is paranormal, if, there's, if this is all there is to it, certainly. And uh, I would say that um, I would have a few questions that uh, might be relevant to the answer that you are looking for. One is, I, I know that you were sitting in front of a fire when this experience occurred. And I'm wondering if you were alone in front of this fire. Uh, because when you were having what I suppose might be called by some a missing time experience, when this actually turned out to be two hours, you thought it was uh, much shorter. Uh, where where were the other people at the time? Were they trying to wake you up, or were there other people? Uh, I'd also well, it like to sound like
2: she said she went into a trance. It sounded more like um, that uh, that she was what's the word. Uh, well, tuning into something. I don't. I don't know if that's a better way. Well, of remember it. our
1: term, the flashing nexus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which I was going to get into in a minute, but just uh, when it comes to the fire, I'd be wondering if Lisa Ben was sitting next to a lake, oh, right, or a brook or something like this, which of course is and generally thought and, and has yeah. been found in our experience to to have some influence on the conductivity of electromagnetic fields and perhaps world boundaries, things of this kind that might have affected the experience. Uh, Another question I might have is, these are all things you can write to me later on, Uh, I'd also like to know if you have had other such experiences. Uh, I also, you know, with other people, other people's relatives or even your own, uh, as far as uh, sort of becoming uh, or, or, or establishing an identity with them, which is something I find quite interesting, and this happened to me as well. I also find it interesting that the grandmother uh, to whom, you, with whom you established this apparent identity for this period of time, and uh, perhaps a bit before and after that, and, and feeling the presence, uh, was, uh, was someone else's grandmother, wasn't your own. Uh, it is a, a little... The, the, your question, what happened to my grandmother, I, I I didn't get whether you were talking about your own grandmother or this other person. It
2: sounded like it was a quote.
1: A co- yeah, it was a quote, yes. So, uh, be that as it may, these are all questions I'd like to hear more about. However, I mentioned the flashing nexus, which is a term I kind of invented. And I mentioned it on the air a few years ago. Ben, I never heard it as we'd never talked about it because it seems to be... Uh, it never came up, I guess. never came up. And we it, it did come up in the context of a man who was having an operation and one would expect near-death experiences or some kind of out-of-the-body experiences. That's often what you hear in that context of a medical procedure or something of that kind, accident or or trauma or whatever. But this particular fellow said that he was experiencing something else. All of a sudden he was the doctor and he was the patient talking. And that then he was someone else. He was the nurse. He was someone waiting in the hallway. And I said, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this in a long time. This is the flashing nexus. And when I say nexus, this is where we get into multiverse thinking. Uh, The nexus is perhaps your core consciousness. The place or time or reality or state in which you are, in in which all, all of the various forms or facets of yourself throughout the multiverse converge into one single consciousness it's kind of hard to grasp because people don't even grasp the multiverse idea well it's basically each of us seems to be one being in many forms spread across these and this is good physics according to some physicists across many many variations of worlds in this multiverse because we don't live in a universe we apparently live in a multiverse there are many parallel realities different forms of the world, in some we would not recognize the reality, in others the earth was never formed, never existed, in others you died 30,000 years ago. Every, the thing with quantum physics in, in this interpretation is that every possibility actually exists somewhere or some when, at some point in this multiverse, which is all past and future is simultaneous. There really is no past and future. These are all things we've talked about a million times on the show. So the flashing nexus seems to be a place where you are just in a condition where you can be aware of many of being other people. Because at some point in the multiverse, this patient was or is the doctor or is the nurse, and his consciousness kept jumping around, perhaps from the trauma of the procedure. I don't know. That, but that's what I call the flashing nexus. In your case, Lisa, you seem to have been, or established identity with, or realized, I should, more accurately, your identity with your friend's grandmother. So that is not unusual. I had a um, a publicist at one time this is before Ben was involved with me. Uh, other than as a son, that's true. Yeah, uh, I had a publicist who had been the same publicist as John Edward, the psychic, had and loved her, loved her dearly, we're still wonderful friends, we still do some stuff together. But she was determined for a while, for a few years, this is some years ago, to make me a psychic. And I said, that's not what I do, you know, I'm, I'm more an investigator, I have some theories that a lot of people have never heard before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well she, she set me on some, a couple of her friends, I said, okay, I'm going to take the multiverse ideas and I'm going to apply them to being a psychic. Now, psychics generally are considered people who will read people's minds or will pick up certain information. But a lot of people don't ask, well, where is this information coming from? How do they do this? And there were some 19th century ideas about how it happens. But I said, I'm going to apply the ideas of the multiverse to this. So what that means is that I would become, or, or rather find, where I was in the multiverse, the person I was, I don't know, you want to call it reading or whatever this. Stuff is they say they do. Uh, there was a particular man. I, I I put myself where I was him. At some point in the multiverse, because at some point we are all each other at somewhere, because all possibilities exist, billions upon billions upon billions, probably an infinite number, and the infinity is still expanding of the world. You get into quantum physics, you learn about this. So, what I would so I, I found the experience terrifying. I would do just what happened to Lisa here, as she, as, as Lisa writes. I had, in effect, his, in the, in this case, this particular man I'm thinking, thinking about. I had his memories, I had his fears, I had his imagination. It, it was a terrifyingly intimate experience. I couldn't handle it. So yeah, I gave him some advice. I, I believe that he was being um, affected by a son in a parallel world who was never born in this world. <laughs> which he found kind of way out there, but he he got it and that kind of thing. But I couldn't do this anymore. And I said, look, let me go back to talking about this stuff and, and doing investigations and talking about my books. I'm not going to be a psychic. I just, I couldn't do I couldn't do it. And that's I, I don't really like that anyway uh, because especially if you, I don't like any kind of people who would charge money for that. I know people, some people make a living at it, but I, I don't really trust that. So that wasn't me. So I didn't do it. That. But that's how I kind of, um, interpret what is happening in situations like Lisa had. So why would it be a friend's grandmother rather than, than Lisa's grandmother uh, with whom she was experiencing this identity at this time? I think perhaps, uh, Lisa, you are a very uh, empathetic person. You had great love for your friend and picked up her feeling of loss you said you, it was very interesting you I, I don't know whether you were saying you felt her grandma i guess you she, she that was she said ben she felt her grandmother yeah
2: she she felt her grandmother
1: the, and also i guess the friends uh, no, but by, by
2: by her i mean the the, well, the 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 grandfather after he died so yes lisa's grandfather right. and lisa's friend's grandmother
1: yeah okay so uh, am i being clear here ben what do you think i think that it's hard to be clear with these things. It is, yeah, because people ex- don't see ex- out of this framework. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, it's, it's, extre- it's extremely hard. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's... Well, obviously, it's hard to describe. So it's... hm It's very... Yeah, I well, can't even well,
1: put it. One of Lisa's <laughs> prime questions was, is, is it uh, her mind playing tricks on her? I mean, I mean, it's a
2: possibility, it's a, but... It's
1: always a possibility, but you must have a pretty sophisticated mind... Yeah. If it uh, plays these kind of tricks, you know? That's true. And of course, what, what is a trick? What is a mind trick? I mean, is, is it really something totally false? It could be. Or is it something you're picking up from some other point in the multiverse? I ran into that all the time in psychiatric hospitals when I was a student working there, uh, and a seminary student, particularly doing pastor work. Yeah. You know, these experiences these people are having, these stories they're telling, these things that are happening to them in their own minds, are they really just in their own minds? What does it mean to be in your own mind? Is your mind picking up a reality that the rest of us, quote-unquote, normal people don't even see?
2: That's true. Or can't
1: see or aren't aware of?
2: Yeah. You
1: know, and, and I thought that many cases, yes. And as I've said many times on the show, I've addressed groups of psychiatrists on this, twice at least, over the years. And uh, they get all upset. Oh, this is mental illness. You know, But a lot of them would come up to me afterward and say, you know, I've often suspected the same thing. But if I said that, I'd get fired. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And um, only I notice that most of the most of the physicists who physicists who speculate about these things, when it comes to the multiverse and its various effects in our minds or among human relationships, uh, tend to be tenured professors who aren't going to be fired. Right? That's true. The younger ones don't often do that because there are a lot of politics in science and in academia, unfortunately. But to get back to Lisa's question, I think that what you're experiencing is nothing to be afraid of, unless there are things you're not telling us. There are things that they are things that are entirely normal because the paranormal is entirely normal, and you wanted a paranormal explanation and a multiverse explanation. I think they're the same explanation, because as in fact we just had a T-shirt made to sell at our fall events, and it has our quote on it that says, "Explaining the paranormal is not the problem; it's handling the explanations." Yeah, yes, yes, indeed, because this stuff is really really difficult. So. Um, You can see the T-shirt if you want at our uh, bookstore on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com. You can even buy it if you want. However, I think that 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 is an apt way to describe it. I don't think the paranormal is abnormal at all. I think what you're experiencing, Lisa, uh, if it's what it appears to be uh, in that sense that you've described everything, is an entirely normal experience, and you're a very empathetic person. Empaths and shamans, in my experience, will often tell you that this is what they're doing, I remember a long conversation. I've often described it uh, with an Aboriginal Australian Aboriginal shaman in um, 1979 when I was there in the line of duty, and it was quite fascinating. And he said, "You're on the right track with this multiverse stuff, you know," because that's when I was starting to think about it at that time. And so, anyway, uh, I think that um, it's a very interesting experience. I would like to know, as long with the other questions I asked earlier in my monologue,
2: has this kept going?
1: Has this kept going? Uh, have you had similar flashing nexus experiences, as it were, with other people? Do you ever feel that you, are, you have an identity with someone you don't know or who is not a relative of yours or your friend? Uh, how how did, did your friend, uh, the, the granddaughter of the woman who, who passed, is, is this someone who has had similar experiences herself or has relied upon you? for experiences of this kind, or guidance, or whatever. Indeed. Um, the only word of warning, well, there were lots of words of warning here, is that you have to be very careful with this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, when you feel people all around you, that, that's usually very very healthy. Uh, in our experience, it's not that they're still with us, but that we are with them in many worlds where they never died, speaking of loved ones. However, in the experience you had, Lisa, uh, it seems that you are experiencing different worlds at the same time, different identities. And this this can be entirely normal if you keep your feet on the ground,
2: yeah, which it seems like she does, but yeah, it's, it's very easy uh, it's very easy to 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 and uh, that's take when off. You,
1: that, that exactly and that's when you get diagnosed as a schizophrenic or something, and you don't want that to happen because our society does no longer understands this kind of stuff, so that's about what I would say uh. Feel free to write to us again, Lisa, with some uh, answers Updates, to the questions uh, I asked. Updates uh, or anything you'd like to fill us in on. But but very very good. Thank you for the articulate question. Okay, let's uh. Let's, uh what's the next one? Go over to Facebook here. Uh, and we have a lot coming in on Facebook. We have a I have a personal page. Ben has a personal page, and we have a show page as well. So
2: indeed. So uh, to,
1: is that Kelly. Kelly?
2: Yep, from Boulder, Boulder Colorado. Colorado.
1: Okay. So Paul and Ben, and I
2: have listened Colorado to you. was this Colorado.
1: Sorry, don't make fun of our listeners. We have I'm not a lot of listeners of the, in I'm not
2: making fun of the li- listeners. I just I, I call it Colorado. <laughs> it's it's weird. That's how I they pronounce it. It's hard to say it without an it's accent. Hard for us
1: Yankees to say. All right, well,
2: whatever. that I sound like I'm from Connecticut, but we're not going to get into that. Paul and I uh, or Paul and Ben, uh, I have listened to your show for some y- for some shows on. Uh, I've listened to you for some shows on possession and exorcism, and they are fascinating. The biggest question I have is about the parasites you think are doing this. Uh if these are not spirits but physical creatures how do they possess somebody and speak through their mouths if they are not spirits how can they fit how can they fit into the uh possessed person's body
1: you know that's actually a rather good question it is a good question i think um and, and i have considered that of course and, and in a way oh, it right. kind of follows from lisa's question that we with we, which we began the show um you the whole idea of possession, and I've been involved in not not for some years now, but I've been involved in some of these cases, and I assisted at some exorcisms and things and things of this kind. Which, are looking back on them, I do not think they were what we thought they were then. I was a seminary student, and naturally the explanation we uh, considered, uh, and uh, the only one the only one we considered was one of um, of a demonic activity in the theological sense. If the per- and, and this was in. A hospital context, so it was always um, uh, examined thoroughly by doctors to see that this was not something that was of psychiatric origin. And very, sometimes it was, uh, but when it wasn't, when, when things were flying off shelves across the room when they were dealing with the person, you figure that's not necessarily within the person's mind. That's uh, an issue that, that may have to uh, call for further measures, which is why we were there. But In any case, uh, the, the idea that we often Will denigrate is that uh, spirits are doing all these things, uh, whether it be haunting houses or bothering people as "quote unquote" demons and things of this kind, because I've always I have found in my experience over the years that these are physical beings. I think, for the I think most part. I think
2: we have to. Uh, I think before we attack that, I think that we should embrace the idea that. We have to we have to say okay when we're talking about physical we're not talking about carbon based life forms right it has been proven that there are all sorts of tiny little microbes that live around little sulfur vents at the bottom of the ocean that not all life all life can be indeed carb life can be indeed carbon based well, that's what a we're physical
1: see- body you're talking yeah, about. yeah yeah yeah
2: but we're, what we're saying is my argument usually is how can spirits do physical things if exactly. they are not physical things yes so. I'm not saying that they are like insect things that crawl into people's bodies and they're like oh we're going to make them talk or whatever but what I'm saying is how can a spirit force someone to move make their mouth move okay well, th- th- that, well but we're moving we'll on from that, that. Yeah. but what what I I'm I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. saying that the the um what's the word uh Ontology of it. Mm-hmm. The 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 yeah. the, on, the, ontolog- the nature of the being. Yeah. The the nature the yeah. nature of this being is that it is physical because a it does physical things. B it physically appears in some way, shape, or form, and that's 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 why that's why. I'm well, this is the right thing
1: uh, you've never had the pleasure of seeing this stuff.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, not yet. Anyway, a little bit. Well, a little a not, bit. A little not
1: bit. not to the extent you have. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well. Yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately, I haven't seen. Uh, my life hasn't been filled with it over the last forty five no, no, years no, fortunately no, no, you know? not at all but uh no, but you have a good point there ben uh the the, the nature of of these things that i've been dealing with uh since nineteen seventies really is is uh, a lot of physicality involved here you know the whole na- n- nobody nobody seems to consider this the um electronic voice phenomena people right who uh and they i there may very well be some some Legitimacy to that, but they'll call them sometimes spirit voices that are recorded on. But how can a spirit uh, have a voice? Well, uh, that's it because voices are human voice is created by the human vocal cords, and to right. do that you Observing have to have a body, right? Yeah, ser- air molecules.
2: Yeah. air molecules.
1: And we see ghostly phenomena involving physical objects. They're carrying things, uh, driving cars, just. And uh, as my very first case in 1971 over in Connecticut, uh, an an ox cart and and, uh, farm implements and things of this kind that seemed to be perfectly physical, uh, going about uh, a normal day in in something we in in an environment that we uh, were we thought we considered it haunted and we couldn't see. What was doing the making the noises? So all these things began to make me question this whole idea of the spirit. The spirit is a not not the whole notion of spirit, but the notion that spirits were doing these things. Spirits being beings without bodies, or no longer without bodies. So this whole idea of demons being spirits was a problem for me. Um, How and even especially how would it get in? and uh, make voices come out of somebody how would it and i I saw it happen there was one person we had to hold down because he kept floating out of the chair during an exorcism right so obviously this is not psychiatric and uh, is it spiritual in a sense what i think the explanation would be uh, I, i think probably i began to stumble upon in that bridgeport case i mentioned earlier 1974 when i stood there with a bunch of police and firefighters, and watch the refrigerator float up and down in the kitchen, right? And a number of other things happen. I think that this may not be done by a spirit lifting the refrigerator or necessarily taking over the body of someone, although that's what it might seem to be in some cases. I think what's happening is very similar to what might have happened to Lisa uh, when she wrote uh, earlier that uh, she was feeling an identity, as it were, with her friend's grandmother. Just as at some point in the multiverse, in its simultaneity of time and space, Lisa is, not was or will be, but is the grandmother with whom she felt the identity. I think that the the people who were, quote-unquote, possessed had found, or the parasite had found, the place and time in this simultaneity of the multiverse, where they were, I should say are, the person who was being possessed. Let me say that in another way. It, our identity is universal. We are many forms of ourselves in different parts of the uh, multiverse and different parallel universes, and, and that, that's accepted by many physicists. Not all, but many. But also, we are, we are our non-human beings, and all, all life forms and really all things, it's really a great, elegant identity. And so the parasites seem to be aware of this, because what are they? I don't think they're spirits. They seem to be physical creatures, and I've had physical encounters with them, who simply, like any other part of nature, need to eat. And what do they eat? They eat our, what apparently is our negative energy. We are a cattle species for them, as far as that's concerned. We're a food source. and They'll push whatever buttons they have to in order to get that food. I've seen them come into it, people's lives and into families, push buttons, you know, get people wound up, and feed upon the result. That's how they live. In the possession cases, this is an extreme form of this. There is an identity discovered between the, uh, the being, the parasite, and the person who was being quote-unquote possessed, and uh, that is acted out in the form that we see, that I witnessed during these exorcisms. And there there are two important points that people don't necessarily realize that I'll make after our break. But we have to take our bottom of the hour break now. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240, New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. Be right back. Hi, everyone. This is your Mater D in the Tiki Bar, Joe Callahan, inviting you into the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 until 7 p.m. It's nothing but the best in Jimmy Buffett music for the full hour, 6 to 7, Tuesday nights, right here on ON Radio. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by Papa John's Pizza, 1049 Cass Avenue on the corner of Mendon Road here in Woonsocket. Remember, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. It's the Tiki Bar, right here on ON 1240 One W-O-O-N, Socket Radio, every Tuesday night from... Okay, we'll talk about our charities later. We'll get back to our open line conversations here. But we're answering a question from Kelly in Boulder, Colorado, about what the nature of possession is in cases of demonic possession. Well, the two points I was mentioning before we took our break were that in cases I've always, I've always found that the person who was, quote, being possessed has to tacitly agree to this occurring. They've discovered a, 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 an identity with the, this parasite, a, uh, a bond, an identity of some, at some point in the multiverse with, it, with this being. They have to tacitly agree to this because people, the thing just cannot come in and take over. And secondly, when this identity has occurred, People think the, the, the entity just treats the person like a marionette, that they, they make them do all sorts of things and say all sorts of things. I've noticed very clearly a cooperation between these beings, the person being possessed and the possessor, as, if it, as it were, because they have discovered this identity. And the person who is being possessed is not doesn't always consider themselves a victim here. Very often. So I think that those are two important points. This is an an act of cooperation, Uh, really more than possession in that sense. So, uh, let me put these on correctly. Do we have a a caller here, I guess, Ben? Indeed we do. Okay, so let's pause that discussion at that point and take our caller. Hello, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. It's Scott from Uxbridge. How you you doing?
0: Hey, how are you? It's Scott from Uxbridge.
1: Yeah, good to hear from you, Scott. Uh, What's cooking?
0: Well you know i I want to talk about you know like these 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 claims of people who are psychics, yeah, and i you know I have like six or seven billion people who exist on the planet. I'm sure there are you know a handful who are walking around who can definitely do it, but what bothers me are the people who claim they are psychics, and then when you ask them, well, why don't you hit the lottery?" <laughs> they always say they always the classic answer is, oh that's that's immoral for me to financially profit oh,
1: yes. oh, from sure. my
0: ability. Yes,
1: and so they hand will, you your bill,
0: right? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But you'll, they'll charge you for a reading of your palm or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just I find that very contradictory.
1: Well, I agree, and, Scott. And, you know, you know if I can just interject here, one of the things I find very often, and ben, I know Ben agrees with me on this is...
2: Oh, yeah, that their li- personal lives are awful. Oh,
1: terrible. Very, not, not, not always. There are always exceptions to this, but I've noticed that so many of these psychics have, have you know catastrophic personal lives, you know, marriages. And, I mean, what the hell is that about? You know, so, I mean, I get the point.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, if I were an actual psychic... You know, I go down to Twin Rivers and hit, you know. know, I'll uh, go with you. Yeah, Yeah, I I hit, uh, you know, roulette 25 times in a row.
1: You did? I'm going with you definitely. For those who don't live in the area, Twin Rivers is a a casino in Rhode Island. It's the only one that I know of. Maybe there's one in Newport, I don't know.
0: I'm just saying that if I actually were a psychic, yeah, would I use it to make money? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I would. Who wouldn't? I mean, hey, go go go! Put you know five hundred thousand dollars on you know the the number eight horse at a casino at, at you know some racetrack, and that's all I'm trying to say is that it's. I find it fascinating that they claim, oh no no no, I can't, I I wouldn't do that. That's wrong. Yeah. But yet the reality is they can't do it. It's a bunch of bunk.
1: Well, Scott, let me suggest another layer uh, to that. Um, as you may have heard us say, I, I don't like the word psychic because there's too much baggage you know, in our language. You know, but, but the principle behind it, I think, is legitimate in the sense that we are not islands. We, we are part of a, an, an ebb and flow of energies or whatever you want to call it in this multiverse or however you want to describe it. We're not, we don't stand in isolation from each other. Nothing does, really. And any indigenous civilization will tell you that. Uh, the notion of of uh, the psychic power, if it's what you want to call it, as a survival instinct in all of us, I think, is an important thing to 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 note, and that is that uh, you know if you never had a feeling of being watched or a feeling of being threatened, then our species never would have survived. We would have been lunch for every predator on the planet. You know, whereas if you have a se- you know a basic psychic sense, I think it's it's a survival instinct. There's that, and I think that. In that sense, and from that point of view, everyone has some ability to see outside their own shell, so to speak. You know, to be able to pick things up, um, and that, I, that, that I, sort of thing.
0: No, no, no. I completely agree with you. I mean, there was a, a couple of years ago, you had a woman who was an animal psychic by the name of Karen on.
1: Oh yeah, Karen Anderson. Sure. A,
0: yes, and I called her and I talked about my my cat Taz. And how I was able to mentally communicate with him. Mm -hmm. Now, I could do it with him, but it doesn't mean I can do it with every animal. Sure. You're absolutely correct. There are certain times you just just kind of have a frequency with whether it's an animal or an insect or a human being. Yeah, you definitely tune in with people.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing, too, is I want to qualify, too, what we've been saying. There are some very good and well-intentioned and pure-hearted psychics out there. We really try to help people. I mean, we know some, but mo- as you say, I think Scott, uh, there are very few, to put it in our terms, with whom we would work or whom we would trust. You know, um, but again, you know, and, and the proof is in the pudding, as you say, their their own lives are catastrophic, and they certainly can't guess the lottery numbers. You know, and yet on the other hand, what do you think of this? On the other hand, there are plenty of people who, as you said, you won something. What? How many times in a row? I mean, just because you weren't conscious of some sort of awareness doesn't mean you. Weren't. I think it
2: was a hypothetical.
1: Oh, it was a hypothetical. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah,
0: that—that's uh, what I was saying. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you I didn't win sp-
1: so many times in a row.
0: No, 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 no. What I was saying was, if I were truly psychic oh, I and you. knew the number coming up, I'd go to Twin River and play, you know, roulette. Oh, you know, <laughs> times I'm sorry, in a row I missed that.
1: I guess I'm not psychic tonight. Okay, great, but I guess the the point is too that uh, many times people. Uh, will win there's what was one woman in the southwestern place won the state lottery like three times in a row or something or three months in a row I mean what are the chances of that so maybe there is some sort of uh beyond oneself uh awareness or or play going on that tells us things and we're not even conscious of it and I think that that's the nature of, of what this this really is as legitimate as it may get you know you,
0: you know I feel sometimes it's more of like a flow of like fate or luck, at times like sometimes your your luck is just going well, sometimes it's not going well, and it's like you get a certain vibe, a thought, something like Joe Ferrier used to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's you right, know, that old friend like Joe a, Ferrier. Yeah,
0: right. And and sometimes your luck or fate is going well, and then sometimes it dries up, and then sometimes it comes back, and it's it's more of like a like a Taoist. You yeah, I'm a Taoist, and I believe in the the flow of the river. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really flowing well, and sometimes you're hitting the bottom. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just all of that. It's, there's no defined, to me, there's no defined definition. Like, Webster can't define this for us. He can give us a dictionary, but he can't define what we're talking about.
1: That's our criticism of science very often, as much as we respect it. It can tell you... It can describe something, but it can't tell you what it is. You can know of something, but not actually know it. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, before I let you gentlemen go, and I'll let you go right now, but remember, when all of us were in science class, didn't the science teacher always tell us that when we do an experiment, our physical presence actually is a variable in that experiment?
1: That's true. I do remember that, actually. And, and yeah. of course, when you get to the uh, Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle in fi- in quantum physics, that really applies, and just, uh, that's good. You must be younger than I am, because I never had that in class.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. But, Scott, thanks for the call. Great conversation.
0: You as well, gentlemen. Thank you.
1: Okay. Have a good night. All right. So, uh, yeah, Scott from Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Never met him, but he calls in once in a while. He's uh, a good guy. Okay. So here we have, uh, I guess, um, have we answered Kelly's question uh, about this? Yes. Uh, maybe not to the point of, so So, we, so Kelly, we don't have a, a physical body fitting into another physical oh body. That's right, yes. not, not what we're saying. I think we have a, a, a unity or an identity of, to a point of minds without a loss of individuality. Okay, That's the important point, I think, is that the, the person does not lose its individuality to this. And the question is, well, if we're all united across these worlds and we're all each other, well, where, where does individuality come in? Well, I think as as our good friend uh, Dr. Amit Gatswami would say, who's a probably the most renowned physicist of consciousness in the world today, uh, has been on our show a couple times, has uh, has said the idea of the se- the sense of self is a sense of self-reference because the self as we understand it as an island really doesn't exist, but uh, as as we put it, each of us is a unique expression of all of us. And in a way, all of us together are a unique expression of each of us. And I Think think about that, and I think that might explain. So we don't have one body fitting into another, and I think that's essentially what, what's going on during possession, uh, is the identity that we mentioned uh, in, a, in a greater realm outside of the body, okay, which is this multiverse. So, right. When
2: we, when we say physical things happening, we don't mean like literally. We mean in a metaphysical sense.
0: What do you well, mean? not metaphysical what do you mean by sense.
2: That? What I mean is, I think she took what we said literally.
1: Oh, okay, I get, yeah yeah. And
2: we don't mean it literally. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly.
2: It's like a like a hyper literal. Well,
1: I think it's it's literal that you've got two physical beings, right?
2: But well, you know, I, I don't mean like one is literally stuffing itself. It's, uh, into exactly. Another. Right. 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 That's okay. what that's what I mean.
1: Yeah, it's, you know it's it's a, it's a well it's a psychic connection. If you want to use that word again.
2: Yeah. Uh, but still doing end physical end. stuff.
1: Sure. Okay, well, the next one is from Bob in Glens Falls, New York.
2: Ah, uh, Yes. Bob writes to us, I have just read Bill Hall's book, The World's Most Famous Haunted House, and it is amazing. Paul, you were there, so maybe you can answer a question. Why were no photographs taken of all these, these happenings and with so many wis- witnesses? Between the Warrens, you, the priests, the cops, and especially all those reporters, do you mean to tell me nobody got any photos?
1: Well, that's actually a very good question, Bob, and it, it has come up. Uh, to speak for myself, it was—I was 21 years old, uh, 1974. I was a seminary student, and I've, I've mentioned this a hundred times on the show, so I'll just be brief. Uh, I, I did not expect to get involved in a case, let alone one of this gravity. Um, I, I lived about 60 miles from Aunt Lorraine Warren. The people who are probably the grandfather and grandmother of modern ghost hunting, quote-unquote. And uh, if you saw the movie The Conjuring, uh, they were always uh, portrayed by a very dashing-looking couple. Um, and they were they were good pe- they were nice people. Um, I, I had a lot of personal memories of them that were re- very pleasant. But I did not agree with their methods in the end. We split up about 1978. But in, in any case, 1974, I'm on the way down, <coughs> uh, expecting to have dinner with them, because Lorraine a terrific cook. And... While I was on the way down, days before cell phones and all this, I didn't know what was going on. uh, This case broke in in Bridgeport, not too far away. uh, Poltergeist thing, and and, uh, we've talked about it lots of times on the show. And uh, it's the subject of this book, The World's Most Haunted House, by our good friend uh, William J. Hall. Been on the show many times, and he really got all the information together. Stuff I'd never heard of, and I was was there. So, in any case, uh, the reason from my point of view, why no pictures were taken was because I didn't bring any of that stuff with me. Years later, when I, I was a seminary student at the time, but years later when I became a member of the press, I realized you have to bring a camera everywhere you go, or now, of course, it's very convenient to have your your, your phones, Everybody's, most people's phones have cameras on them, so didn't have any of that in 1974. The Warrens, I, I cannot speak for them in the sense that, that they took no pictures that I saw during the better part of three days we were in this house november twenty fourth twenty uh, fifth and twenty sixth nineteen seventy four uh, before the police came in and closed the whole thing down and the big mess again we've talked about it lots of times and you can read about it in that book. so that's why I wasn't prepared. Um, I just stand around stood around and stand around but I just I, <laughs> I assisted uh, the Warrens in this, and my particular job was to make sure the little girl, who seemed to be the center of this, wasn't actually physically moving any of the stuff and and creating the poltergeist activity that we all witnessed. Uh, So um, that's why I didn't have a camera. The the Warrens, I don't know why they didn't take any pictures. Uh, There were, they they spent, Ed spent most of his time dealing with the press. Uh, They were coming in. There were radio reporters, newspaper reporters, and then finally network reporters, ABC, CBS, and NBC, which were the only ones at the time. And they came in from New York, which wasn't that far away. Uh, they had microphones. They, there was a lot of recording. They interviewed people. Uh, they tried to get the cat to talk, something <laughs> like, I'll never forget as, soon as, as long as I live. Come on, um, say something. Yeah, Sam, yeah, say something. You know, it's incredible. Uh, and, but uh, there were very, they were pictures taken, a few, but um, nobody got any phenomena. Or, or were there? No, I'm thinking of the, the the team that came in later. I think the Duke only University. picture that you
2: had in a slideshow, and I
1: remember this from when I was a kid, was a picture of the crowd on the street, the crowd on the street, the cop in front of the house, and and yeah, that was. That's taken. pretty much
2: it. That's Those like were the, newspaper shots. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much the only thing I saw. So. Yeah,
1: and uh, they just and uh, Bill Hall, in uh, writing his book, came up with a few a few things, but um, there were there were pictures of the family before and after, and uh, but no, no, nobody got any any pictures. It was really amazing, and, and that Monday night, the. Uh, the worst incident for me, other than getting hit and injured by the television set on, on the previous day... That's true. ...was uh, the attack by these entities which I, w- in which I had a physical encounter with one of these parasites, demons. We thought they were demons at the time because that was our theology. And uh, coming up and, and uh, pushing against me, I pushed back. I felt a skeletal structure got around me through the little girl across the room. There was a reporter from the Bridgeport Post in there the whole time John Sopko and he didn't take any pictures now I must now, by 1979 I was a reporter myself and many very often reporters for larger papers did not carry cameras they had photographers who would accompany them and there was no photographer with him at the time today you have to even the, the TV people have to do their own camera work and stuff because no none of the stations have any money But um, by the time, uh, but I became a reporter, and I was working for a small daily paper in Rhode Island, and they told me you have to have a camera. We had a photographer who would come around, but he couldn't accompany every reporter everywhere, so we had to have our own cameras. But uh, you know, four or five years before that, '74, uh, you pretty much the reporters didn't carry cameras, so that was was another reason. So it's a good question, uh, Bob, but that's uh, pretty much pretty much the reason uh police today see, everything is photographed today uh fire department there, there, there are there uh, uh cameras on the police cruisers uh, the police officers have them. everybody's got the cell phones but in those days that was not the case so that's uh, i think the best explanation i've ever come up with and, and it's really a shame because so many things happened during that case uh, that you um there were plenty of witnesses including myself but apparently no pictures that i'm aware of Okay, we're coming down. Burned up this show. This is from Lonnie, I guess, and no, right in our local listening area, in North Smithfield, Rhode Island.
2: Alrighty. So Lonnie writes to us: You guys have uh, some controversial. Have had uh, you guys have some controversial cases lately, like the government chasing you around Area 51, in the military in Connecticut? <laughs> I was wondering if you were aware of any government secrets about the Bridgeport cult, Col- uh, poltergeist, poltergeist case.
1: Everybody's listening
2: um, that. Has any information or pictures been suppressed?
1: Okay, it's funny because it comes right after uh, the other question there. Okay, well, first of all, let let me make a a few corrections. Uh, We were not chased around Area 51. I was chased across the desert almost 10 years ago now by a vehicle with a government plate uh, that was near Area 51 on the outskirts of it. And uh, we've talked about that before. It sounds like a Benny Hill sketch, getting. You know? no, felt like one. Yeah, at the time it was only. I've never. Only found more it terrifying like than Somewhat, ben, yes.
2: Than Benny Hill.
1: Exactly. So there was that. And um, however, I think you might be referring to, to the Central Connecticut, the Litchfield County, Connecticut case that we've been working on since '05. That's ten years mm-hmm. as well. And what what happened there uh, was uh, well discussed on the show many times, and is the subject of another book by William J. Hall, who writes them pretty quickly. Uh, it 's called the Haunted House Diaries, which only just came out last month and it 's worth worth a look certainly and uh, he doesn't really get in too much to the uh government possible government involvement. He deals more with the first sixty years in the farmhouse where the case began uh which in which the uh, the the woman who uh, the, the lovely woman who lives at the house with her husband uh, kept a diary because uh six generations of her family had lived there, and she grew up there and the bizarre things that happened um, that seemed unrelated to each other prompted her to call us after reading my book, Footsteps in the Attic, which talks about this multiverse idea and all this business. So that's all been discussed in other shows. So uh, do I feel that any cases during that or or the Bridgeport case were were, uh, suppressed? Well, as I just described to our last um, questioner, I never saw any, anybody in the Bridgeport House taking photographs except outside. And so that, that's as far as I'm, I'm not aware of any information or photos being suppressed from that case. Although when Bill was working on his book, I uh, consulted with him and he interviewed me, of course, and I said, Bill, um, based on our modern ideas about what these cases may involve, which is not just one house, not just one area, look around. See if you can find other houses that were affected. See if you can find uh, if people saw any strange lights in the sky or any of this stuff that we find today uh, is is part and parcel of any area where paranormal activity of any strength is occurring. And sure enough, he found other people who didn't dare in nearby houses. They didn't dare say anything because they didn't want the press all over their house or the police or the crowds. Uh, as a matter of fact, now that I think of it, I was uh, after this Monday night incident that I just described. I pulled everybody out of the house because the, the, the power of the things were just getting too strong and the whole house was full of this. I pulled them out and I went next door, again, the days before cell phones, I went next door to use a neighbor's phone and something was something knocked on their door after I went in. So it wasn't limited to that one small house on Lindley Street in Bridgeport. So um, I, I, But I don't know if any information has been suppressed about that. It, I don't think it occurred to most people at the time unless it was some government or company that was looking at the multiverse already at that early date, uh, that there would be would have been connections. However, in the um, Litchfield County case, which is much more recent, Ben and I made uh, a pilot, uh, some footage for a pilot, for a director in New York, a rather well-known name, and a producer who came up uh, in November of 2010 to to do this with us at that site. We went around to different places where a military activity had taken place, a rather mysterious farm, which is still pretty mysterious, and all these things. We were never allowed to see that footage. I asked again and again, and we were never allowed to see it. And I wonder if... uh, I heard through the grapevine somebody might have gotten to to them and told them, drop this. uh, Because a lot of strange things happened while we were were filming. So that uh, is another possibility. I think in this... In this case, rather than the Bridgeport one, uh, if there's any chance of suppression, uh, I think it may it may have occurred. Um, I uh, we have not been threatened. Although after this case began, for uh, some years after that, we would have strange people coming to our door here in Rhode Island, uh, sort of military types who were said they were from the utility company and wanted to get into the house. And then I'd, I'd check, and the utility company said they didn't know who they were. Uh, things of this kind. So, you know, not to be paranoid, but. Yes, there are there are possibilities that some of these some of this information has been suppressed by someone else. But the, but the whole point of of how that works is you don't know it, you can't put your finger on it. So maybe yes, maybe no. I guess that's all I can say, Lonnie. At this point, we I don't think we have time for another question. Uh, we uh, it's a short one. Okay, uh, actually there is there is a short one right at the end from Chrissy, and I don't know where Chrissy's from. The very last one there.
2: Chrissy from somewhere writes, "I think your advice to doubt every supernatural being makes sense. How can you tell if a spirit or entity is uh, what it says it is?"
1: Oh, th- that's not the question I thought. Well, Chrissy, oh. that's going to have um. to wait. No, <laughs> oh, no, no. It's the second one down from Nyla oh, Lawrence, down. Kansas, All right, so I'm we'll sorry. we'll we'll
2: we'll we'll save that one for sorry, later. Sorry, Chrissy. We'll save that. One okay, <laughs> uh, so Sarah from Point. Pleasant, West Virginia.
1: No, 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 no. It's the one from uh, the one about whether you and I are going to s- stick together. Oh,
2: uh, to okay. Uh, now that Ben has grown up and engaged, are you going to stay together as a paranormal team?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, we kind of rolled. That's roll from
2: with Nila it. from Lawrence, Kansas. By okay, Nyla from Lawrence. Nila, Nila.
1: Nyla, whatever. Uh, so thank you, Ben. Yeah, it's 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 these. a good uh, it's a good question. We um, have always kind of rolled with it. Ben started this. He started working with me when he was 13. We started down the year when he was 16, and now he's 23, and his wedding is in April. So um, maybe, we, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll roll. I mean, with I'll, do,
2: I'll do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what they we, have Skype for. Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: you can, and if you, you have the sh- chance, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of appearance, excuse me, <coughs> appearances lately. We've been unable to speak together. Oh, yeah, uh, but yeah. um, you know, we do what we can do. And uh, you know we 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 make love working together and, and we uh, make the best of it and uh, yeah well uh, the show uh, here we are
0: yeah yeah I mean I'm still and, I'm uh, still
1: doing this going on now. nine years in the air on in the air on in the, the, the air. air. I mean I guess you in could the, say the air we're and on the, the ground yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, up in the air and um, so we'll um, we'll keep plugging do what we can do yeah yeah But we have no plans to split up or do you know, like the Beatles or whatever you know uh, I'm sorry to tell you dad uh, I do you do. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting another band. I'm starting you? a new band. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Seriously? No, I'm not. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. All right. So... um that, that's uh, about all we have time for this evening. Thank you uh, for everybody, and Scott from Oxford, Mass. Thanks for calling in.
2: Indeed. Now on to our our plethora of announcements. So on Saturday, October seventeenth, we'll once again be speaking be speakers at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Leominster, Massachusetts, and uh, we will present a di- a different variation on our subject: aliens versus demons, which is which. The other speakers will include some renowned experts familiar to our listeners, including Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins. Mark D'Antonio and William J. Hall and you can visit susantom.com actually it's
1: a, I found it's newenglandufo.com oh it's newenglandufo.com yeah. okay. so, uh, that should have been, I'm sorry alright and also uh, Peter Robbins isn't going to be able to be there oh he's not unfortunately yeah but th- there are oh, some well. other great speakers in, and and uh, we do plan to do this one together at this point yes it looks yes, like yes, we'll yes. be uh, able to get up there
2: yes uh, hopefully the fates will smile upon us yeah, it's and, a great uh, conference
1: a lot of fun and uh, it's great So
2: indeed and you can visit our show website behindtheparanormal.com where you can find your nearly 650 free podcasts of past shows from both our ON 1240 years and continuing time and our four-and-a-half-year run on uh, CBS radio along with special shows and podcasts.
1: Okay, you can find my books, Amazon.com, Amazon Amazon, Kindle, the usual Internet subjects, and bookstores ought to be able to get them for you if you bother them. Yell yell at them. Yeah, Uh, but if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com online, I'll be happy to sign them for you. And you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our websites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USAcares.org, C- Canadian Veterans Advocacy here right here in Rhode Island, Builders Helping Heroes.org, and also Youth Mentoring Connection out in Los Angeles doing great things out there for at-risk youth, youth YouthMentoring.org. And the two recent books uh, from Global Communications, Timothy Green, Beckley's Publishing Company. He'll be on the show next week. Uh, that would be of interest to our listeners. One is the Bell Witch Project, which has some stories from old New England paranormal cases, uh, some of which I contributed uh, to that book, including the vampire hysteria in Rhode Island and Connecticut, believe it or not. And a special interest to folks here on uh, WON WON 1240 in our listening area is another Beckley book, UFO Repeaters, with an entire chapter on our old friend Joe Ferrier, which came up in our conversation this evening. Uh, a Talk show host on this station for over 50 years and renowned 1960s UFO expert. Both books are available on Amazon.com or use the links at the online bookstore at our show website, where you can also find that new T-shirt we're talking about. We've got uh, so far we're getting larger sizes. But we've got small, medium, large at this point, and uh, check it out. It's got that quote. Soon we
2: will have all the sizes. Yes, indeed. So next Monday, October 5th, uh, we will welcome uh, Diane Tennisman. Testman. Tessman. Tessman. Why did I say tennis? I saw Tess, and I said tennis for some reason. I
1: mean,
2: Maybe some I have tennis elbow. I don't, I don't t- know. Maybe she's a tennis, tennis star in, in a previous pay- life.
1: Playing tennis with the yes.
2: grandmother. Yes, yeah, right so Diane t- Tessman and UFO legend uh, Timothy Green Beckley for a discussion of uh, possible connections between UFOs and the human conception of the afterlife. That's going to be interesting, especially in yeah. Timothy great uh, Tim Beckley is an interesting guy altogether he's pretty <laughs> yeah. he's he's pretty uh pretty weird in, the <laughs> in well, a good could, way I remember he came way.
1: up a few months ago came up all is the way he coming up for this one New york City. I, I don't think he's going to be able to oh, no, I all figured, the way from New york
2: City, I figured he wouldn't be able to, to be you know, in I might studio. as well ask
1: yeah no because that, okay.
2: that was that was fun uh, he was he was just such an interesting person he did not look how I expected him to.
1: No, uh, he doesn't look like anyone expects him to. No, he's, uh, he's, no, he's uh, pretty
2: unexpectable. He is.
1: He is, a uh, very amazing. UFO uh, expert since the 1960s. We, we've never had Di- Diane on, have we? Never had Diane. No. Okay, well this, this will
2: definitely be an interesting show. So that's next Monday, October fifth, right here on ON 1240.
1: We'll leave you this evening with a thought from the great American poet Carl Sandburg: "A baby is God's opinion that life should go on." I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining
2: us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time.
1: Return to this radio frequency 167
0: hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.